So we have exactly 1230. All right. We're to begin. Uh, hello, everyone. So thankful that you could all join us. Uh, my name is Nancy Scott. I am the Education Project Manager at Dialysis Patient Citizens Education Center. Um, I am so happy today to have Dr. Olafunke Awosaba with us. And I practiced her name so that I say it right. And um, she is the assistant professor and the vice chair of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the Department of Psychiatry at UT Southwestern. She is also a licensed psychologist in the state of Texas, the director of, behavior, of the behavioral health program in the hematology and oncology outpatient clinic at Parkland Hospital. I'm sure that she is um, involved in so many other things. And if you would like to talk about that, doctor, before your presentation, by all means do. At this time, I'm gonna turn the program over to the doctor. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you, hello, hello. Thank you, Nancy, for that introduction. And um, I won't bore you with all the different things that I'm involved in, but I just would say I'm committed um, and on many fronts to different organizations and committee that are involved around mental health literacy, increasing that, especially among people of color. And so I'll just go straight into our conversation. I'm talking about navigating microaggressions as a patient, right? And this is when you're perceiving implicit bias coming through in your care. So first things first, let me kind of get straight, uh, cleared away what is implicit bias and kind of this conversation around microaggressions, um, just defining it before we get into it and how we navigate it. So implicit bias, let me just say that the mind is set up in such a way that it helps us to survive and to adapt to different situations. Right? We need to make quick decisions in order to survive, and so it does that. It makes connections for us. We go through life, we go through different personal experiences, we receive different messages from our um, immediate network of people, as well as social media, you name it, right? We're constantly being inundated with messages. Well, our mind is picking up on these personal experiences and these messages, and it's putting two and two together. And it starts as soon as we come out the moon, right? So for a young child, that person may see mommy as caring. The young child may equate a barking dog to scary based on experiences and messages. So this implicit bias is something that is just simply a mental connection, mental associations that we make. The child may then generalize it to say, all mommies are caring, all mommy, or all dogs barking are scary. This happens typically, again, for us to make quick snap judgments. Short of it is, everybody with a working brain has implicit bias. No one is immune to it. It helps us to survive. So now, the question I ask is, all, are all women or mothers for that matter, caring, or are all dogs scary? And you would obviously say no, 
there's exceptions to that. That may be based on your own particular experiences. I'm just setting the backdrop for you to understand that this is something that's happening on an ongoing basis and it's unconscious. So implicit bias is also known as unconscious bias. That's the way to remember it. It's something that we're unaware of and it's unintentional. Right? We're not intentionally trying to make these connections. That's just the way our mind works to keep us alive and to help us to adapt to our situations. Now, this implicit bias can be favorable, like mommy's being caring, or it can be unfavorable, like dogs being scary. Implicit bias is just mental connections, and those mental connections can be positive or negative. So now, how does this implicit bias thing that's happening unconsciously show up in everyday life? It's discrimination. Mm -hmm. We discriminate among things. We discriminate among people. We discriminate among places. We do that to separate. Discrimination is simply separation. And, and so discrimination is the action that is the result of what's happening subconsciously. That's what I want you to remember. Discrimination is an action. That's what we see. That's the statements. That's the actions. Implicit bias is this belief, is the associations that we mentally have made connections based on our experiences and messages. Now, discrimination can be very clear and blatant. Anybody and everybody knows that was discriminatory, right? Or it can be subtle. And this is microaggressions. Microaggressions are subtle forms of discrimination. It leaves you wondering, like, did that person, did, did they really mean, or did they really say that? You're, you're wondering and processing, trying to figure out, was this in fact discriminatory or not? Or, you know, what was, what did they really mean behind that? And it can show up as a doctor knowing little about you, uh, except for maybe uh, the diagnosis of a kidney disease, saying to you, oh, you should drink a whole lot more water and, and eat vegetables. You know, and if you are already doing that, you kind of just say, well, okay. Um, there's an assumption that the person is making about you, right? It can also come up as your nephrologist quickly giving you your treatment plan, but not explaining explaining it to you when you ask and saying it, well, you don't need to know all that. It's, it's complicated. You can start to wonder, you know, um, maybe that should be left to me to determine whether or not it's complicated or can you just explain, right? Answer my question. I'm curious if you guys could let me know if there's any microaggressions that you can remember um, picking up on or wondering if it was a microaggression that you experienced from your provider or from any healthcare provider, you can go ahead and just put that in the chat. Essentially, the result from implicit bias showing up as microaggression is that it leaves the person questioning, especially in the context of healthcare, whether my provider that person who's taking care of me is genuinely, authentically concerned about me as a patient and my health, right? Mm -hmm. so, now, 
now we we know what implicit bias is we know what microaggressions are the question becomes well do i address it or do i leave it alone like i'm not really sure what to do when it comes up i would say the barometer for deciding whether or not you choose to address it is ask yourself what's the intent for addressing it what do you hope to gain and there are several reasons why people choose to address a microaggression versus not one would be to educate the person can be honestly ignorant and unaware that they have offended and this is because the messages that people have picked up on aren't necessarily correct. They're operating and interacting with patients based on some erroneous connections that they've made. And by you addressing the microaggression is disrupting, right? You're challenging what is familiar to that person, what has been solidified. So that is one of the reasons why somebody would address the microaggression. And I'll talk about that addressing thing a little later. Another reason, and this is GPC all the way, advocacy. Mm-hmm. You wanna advocate for yourself and for others. Advocacy is simply putting your voice out there. Letting someone know that something was Um, offensive, that something needs to be done, that change needs to happen. Advocacy is an important component of your health care. And so addressing a microaggression can mean that, okay, you're saying it's complicated, but I as a patient need to know, right? I need to know so that I can do what's best for me given as much information as possible so I can make the determination of what my next steps are going to be based on the options that you're giving me. And so being shut down is a microaggression by saying, "Mm -hmm, we'll, we'll wait until next time. Well, between now and next time, my anxiety level is going to be through the roof because I don't know. And so this is me advocating so that not only is my physical health attended to, but my mental health is attended to, and I'm spinning my wheels before the next visit or the next exam or the next, the next thing. Another reason to address microaggression is relationship building. We're talking about healthcare, and studies across the board have been consistent in showing that a good relationship with the patient and their, and their provider leads is crucial for best outcomes, crucial. So if you are gonna be in a long-term, hopefully, relationship with that same provider, or even just the institution that you're going to, it's good to have a good relationship with the place and the people that you'll be interacting with who's taking care of you. So addressing a microaggression is gonna be important so that it it doesn't interfere with a good dynamic. The last reason that I'll give with addressing microaggression is that you want to release this cognitive load on you, this burden, this mental burden that you are left with trying to figure out whether or not what was what was shown, what was stated was actually discriminatory. Mm-hmm. So when it's blatant, 
it's very clear and in your face. You dress it right then and there, and your body tends to calm down back to its its baseline, its equilibrium. I don't have enough time to go into all the different systems, but your body naturally will come back down. But if there's a microaggression, you're left wondering for a much longer period of time whether or not something was indeed discriminatory and it's leaving you feeling a certain kind of way. So these are reasons why people would address microaggressions. Leave it alone. Well, if you're not going to be around that person anymore and you don't care, then you may leave it alone. But there are costs to leaving it alone, as I mentioned. You don't want to have that mental exercise um, figuring out the person's intent. Because I've been talking a lot about implicit bias, microaggressions, whether or not you should address it. Let's get into how. So I'll, um, I'll talk about two different approaches, individual approach and a, system, uh, a systems approach. So for the individual approach, there are different strategies. One might be asking for clarification. When you experience a microaggression, immediately you're wondering, did I I really hear was that really the case state that I heard you say it's complicated can you explain what you mean by that right another the way of saying is like I'm not sure if I understand what you're really asking or what you're really saying and have the person clarify another strategy with that individual approach um, is perspective taking, facilitating perspective taking. So for that provider who is giving you options or telling you, um, especially uh, treatment plans and things of that nature or next steps, perspective taking is helping them shift their attention from you so that they can gain more empathy for your position. One example is to ask the provider, tell me a can you tell me a woman or a, a man in your life uh, who you care a lot about? Maybe a mom, brother, right? Some, somebody like that. What advice would you give him or her if they were in my position? That's, that's perspective taking, right? It's taking the provider outside of you and placing it on someone to build the empathy for your situation. One last one that I would say with the individual approach would be there's a difference between somebody's intent versus the impact it had. Mm -hmm. Many times when people are confronted that the person that they're talking to experienced a microaggression from them, they say, oh, that wasn't, I, I didn't mean it that way. I, I'm so, I, you know, if that wasn't my intent. Okay, I understand that. But the impact is what needs to be held accountable because it, I did receive it a certain kind of way, right? And so one way of letting the person know that you know the difference, but you do want to address the microaggression is by saying, you know, I'm not sure what to make of your comment, but it made me feel uncomfortable. Or I know you didn't, re I know you didn't realize this, but when you said, or when you did whatever it was, it was hurtful. Or 
I felt a little slighted. So you're, you're acknowledging that ahead of time that, okay, your intent may not have been that, but I, I received it in a hurtful or a, um, a critical way or something along those lines, right? So ask for clarification. What did you mean by that? Perspective taking, take them into somebody else that they care about and say, well, would you, what would you tell them if they were in my shoes? And then separate the difference between the person's intent and the impact. You want to address the impact that it had. You want to acknowledge the intent, but you want to address the impact. So let me move in and end with um, the systems approach. So the systems approach is much larger than the individual approach, especially when those microaggressions are pervasive, they continue to happen, and or you've confronted them, but it was not resolved. So one approach on a systems level would be to address it to the hospital. Most, if not all, hospitals um, participate in Medicaid and Medicare programs. And any hospital that participates in those programs must have a patient grievance process. So your hospital has a patient grievance process that you should know about. You should know where that office is, how to file a complaint or a grievance. And um, you also should know your patient bill of rights. When you sign the consent to be a patient in this facility or this institution and receive care, part of that was your bill of rights as a patient. Things that you are, um, that you should know about, right? And uh, another thing would be there's a there should be a patient relations department. This department is is kind of like a liaison between uh, patients, families, visitors, and hospital administration. So on a hospital level, those are the things that you should be looking for. They may call them by different names like patient experience, patient relations, something like that. But there's a place where you can file complaints about your care. And again, this is more on this is perpetual, this is pervasive, this is happening, or you outright try to address it and it was not resolved. Um, now, if it's the hospital, right, the policies, procedures, the way that I'm handled across clinics, something is wrong here and I need to voice my concern on a larger scale. There is an organization called the Joint Commission. It's a nonprofit uh, organization that acts as an accrediting, a national accrediting body to hospitals. Accreditation is very important for hospitals to meet standards, right? And so you can file a complaint with the Joint Commission about your hospital. There's always an accountability level up beyond what you may think. They have online complaints, uh, a system that you can go in and file a complaint. Another Another systems approach, every licensed professional is, um, is regulated by their state board. So all you got to do is type in state board for physicians, state board for nurse practitioners, whatever the case in your state, they have an online place where you can file a grievance um, on that particular provider. And then lastly, there's uh, the department, the U.S. Department of um, uh, health and human services, right? And so they also have an online complaint system. Uh, I want to stop there because I know I went 
way over <laughs> my time, but I want to give you those resources. I'll take no, it. That, that, was, that was excellent. And you could have gone on and on, but um, you did really teach me a lot. I, I, I hope the others got something. Um, implicit bias, meaning mental connection. And I don't think that's the term that I'll ever forget. And then you talked about discrimination being an action. And um, oftentimes in dialysis and renal care, we do run into discrimination. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Dialysis Patient Citizen, not only is it an educational organization, but it is about advocacy. And as patients, we must advocate for ourselves. It's just absolutely possible, and you have to have the resources. Now, I didn't see any, but I do have to address one of the callers, and that is Bedbug. Um, she said, I so feel that there is such a disconnect between what is happening to my mom at the dialysis clinic and what they are sharing with us so that we are all in the same page and working for my mom's best. And then she went on to add something else, which is further down. Um, she wanted somebody to talk to. So mm -hmm. if you're still, I, I believe that you're still with us. I just wanted to know that you can contact uh, me and I can help direct you to some sources. And uh, being that you're on Instagram, I would assume that you're computer literate. So I'm going to give you uh, the email address, which is education at dialysispatients.org. I will also CC other staff members in our organization, and we will tell you about the resources that we have, and hopefully we can get somebody to talk to your mom. Um, we do have a kidney chat support group every second Tuesday from 3 to 4, and we have a professional guest every month. Um, of all uh, fields, so that would be very helpful. So again, that's education at dialysispatients.org. And you can also look online under Dialysis Patient Citizens. Uh, we have a phone number there as well, and you can call and someone will help you. Um, I do see uh, two of our staff members in the chat. Um, if you can also put in there a way to contact Yolanda or Hannah, that would be very helpful to Bedbug. So I hope that we can... Um, help you out and uh, your mother definitely needs someone to talk to mm -hmm. to help her with that process. Um, Absolutely. Yes. And can you give us any closing words, uh, doctor, that would help a dialysis patient go through the, this journey or transition be, and, and let them realize that it is a new normal yeah. and that they can live just as well just have to plan ahead and be educated about your disease. Yeah, you said it, Nancy. That That is just that. Um, uh, no, really, honestly, a lot of times people go through this journey alone, struggling, and it's very frustrating, especially at the end when you're told about resources that you should have known from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so if, there, if people aren't sharing these things with you, it's about asking. 
ask for resources. Do you have social work um, in this clinic? Can I speak with them? I just want to know if there's any additional resources uh, that I can plug into. Because the, the, the physician or the nurse, they're more concerned about your physical care in that moment. Uh, they're pressed for time. And so it really is no one's fault. But we do need to make sure that we are proactively asking and not waiting for them to give it to us. Mm -hmm. um, it would be nice in the ideal world, but we know that that's not, not always the case. Mm -hmm. So ask for resources. We cannot be afraid to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any um, on-site or um, uh, you know, affiliate, affiliate providers who are supporting your dialysis patients, uh, their mental health, their financial uh, health, all the things that we know that we struggle with when there is a chronic illness that we are facing and have to go through um, treatment. So ask, ask, ask. That's the one thing that I would say. If you don't ask, you don't know. That's right, that's right. And when you know better, you do better, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, join, and join organizations like Di Dialysis Patient Citizens. Yes. Um, yes. And find yes. out. Find Absolutely. out. Because if, if you don't know and the hospitals don't know, trust me, Dialysis Patient Citizens and other organizations that are doing this work, this is what they do. Right. So That's plug great. in. That's great. Well, thank you so much. It has just been a pleasure to meet you, yeah. to have you, and thank to work you. this whole process out because we know we went through a lot to get you here and we just really appreciate it uh before we sign off i just wanted to uh bedbug said she wasn't sure i guess it's a sheree uh that um she did not get the email address that email comes directly to me and it's education uh at dialysispatients.org um we it, it says we have to be interested okay hopefully you got that it's dpc education center and it's education at dialysispatients.org uh, my name is nancy scott and i'm the education project manager and i see we have some very uh, positive uh, comments in here doctor um annie from uh, apa said what a wonderful talk thank you and hannah just posted the um, address in the chat in the uh, comments so bedbug if you could see yes you have it education at dialysispatients.org okay well i think we accomplished something today again thank you doctor thank you everyone who joined us and hopefully we will we'll be having these on either instagram or facebook every month so please make sure that you joined us and thank you so much and everybody please enjoy the rest of your day and stay healthy thank you take care all right bye-bye